open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and then get 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 6. How many of you saw the debate between Bill Nye and Ken Ham? If you got to see it, raise your hand. All right, and I imagine the rest of you heard about it. Um, I want to speak to you this morning on why Bill Nye won't believe. Why Bill Nye won't believe. If you don't know who Bill Nye is, he is he's called Bill Nye the Science Guy. He had a television show, show teaching children things about science. And um, he recently said this, if you want to deny, talking to Christians, if you want to deny evolution and live in your world, in your world that's completely inconsistent with everything we observe in the universe, that's fine. But don't make your kids do it because we need them. We need scientifically literate voters and taxpayers for the future. We need people that can. That can. We need engineers that can build stuff, solve problems. So his premise is that if you believe in creation, then you can't build anything. And that you are scientifically illiterate. And then he went on to say that if a child teaches his children that evolution is wrong, it's child abuse. It's child abuse. So uh, let's, let's start. We're going to read a couple of passages and then uh, we're just going to dive in. Look at verse 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. <clears throat> Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Let me just throw out one of the foolish things we were talking about in our Sunday school class. Um, Bill Nye was saying that lower life forms are never, fossils of lower life forms are never found mixed in with fossils of higher life forms. And of course, he's completely wrong on that, which is interesting. He, we know more about his position than he does. It's, a, it's an interesting thing. And, and the reason for that is he's a mechanical engineer. He's talking about something that he's not trained in. Isn't that interesting? It's, a, it's an interesting thought. But the other issue is that uh, Greg Goins was saying that the explanation that scientists have come up with for that, of, of different fossils that should have been from different eras, you know, millions and millions of years apart, the reason you find some of those that are supposed to be older above some of those that are higher is that the continents flipped. Just, just, just marinate in that for a minute. The explanation is the continents flipped. How many of you are dumber for having heard that? <laughs> I think I lost a few IQ points just thinking about it. it the, the, let's read the text again. Where's the scribe? Or where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. All right, so keep your place there and go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, I, one of the things that Bill Nye kept saying through the debate is that um, 
what Ken Ham was relying on was a 3,000-year-old book translated into American English and kept acting like that was stupid. All right, well, he's stupid. This book is not American English. It's Elizabethan English. So there you go. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. I shouldn't have... That was a little harsh, but... <laughs> It, I'm always amazed, and this happens, you know, I was in college ministry for years. I've been in countless debates. And we're always supposed to be the dumb ones. That's the way that we are purported to, to be. We're, we're ignorant. We're flat. They, and Bill Nye did this in an interview. He put flat earth in with people who believe in creation. But the book of Isaiah talked about the circle of the earth 2,000 years before science figured out it was round. Where is the wise? Now, the books of First and Second Timothy are written to a young man, Timothy, who is a, a, a pastor. And the apostle is teaching him, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, how to think and how to behave. So now, look with me up in First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20. O Timothy... Keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. What did we hear this week? Profane babblings. Profane babblings which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, help us as believers. And there might be someone here who's not a believer today, and they'll be able to hear today how believers think about these things. Lord, help us to think rightly, to think rightly. Father, help us to have uh, your word in our hearts and in our minds, and help us not to be ashamed to stand before a fallen and pagan world, and boldly proclaim your word and your truth, unashamedly believing the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me tell you something. Um, Billy Sunday, the famous evangelist, Presbyterian evangelist, he said, and he was, he was preaching in the uh, early 1900s. He had played for the Chicago White Sox, and uh, he was, at that time, the fastest man in baseball, and he, um, but he was a he was a, a a bad man, and he went to the he was walking down the down State Street in Chicago, and the Pacific Garden Mission was there, and he saw a sign that said Jesus saves, and he got saved. He got saved and became an evangelist, and so he was during the time where higher criticism was influencing all of the Christian uh, institutions, and I don't have time to go into explaining all of that, but he said this, if the scholar says one thing, and God says another, then the scholar can just go to hell. Now, of course, I would never say something like that. Billy Sunday said that. Take it up with him. Um, and it's interesting that that statement, I read a book called Fit Bodies and Fat Minds by a guy named uh, Oz Guinness, and he was talking about how we have a real fitness craze in Christianity, but many Christians can't think. And if you, how many of you have read the book, Fit Bodies and Fat Minds? Anyone here read that? You've got to read it. It's a really an interesting book. But he quoted that statement in that book 
to talk about how Christians don't think anymore. That as a result to the influence of bad thinking and bad teaching and bad philosophy, Christians stopped thinking. I don't know that that's true. I think that in certain circles, maybe they have. At Grace Baptist Church, we haven't. I mean, we talk and we think, and all the people that have influenced me were thinkers and readers. And, and so uh, I understand what he's saying, that broadly in Christianity, I think that we do have a problem, and it's a cultural problem, that people cannot reason, nor can they think. And uh, I mentioned in the Sunday school class that if I go to Argentina to preach, they want me to preach for three hours. And they'll listen for three hours. And it's hard to get an American audience to listen for 30 minutes. It's interesting, isn't it? Is that, because Christian, is that because Christians in America are incapable of thinking? No, but we bought into a certain way of thinking that is dangerous. Um, so what I want us to do this morning is I want us to talk about the debate. I want to talk to you and give you some thoughts about the debate. I also want to uh, then explain to you why Bill Nye doesn't believe. But the big thing that I want you to do, especially you young people, is don't ever be ashamed of what the Bible says about origins. Don't be ashamed. If, if a scientist stands up and says something that contradicts the Word of God, well, then the scientist is wrong. All right, so let's start with just some basic thoughts. Number one, you'll often hear someone say something like this. Science tells us. How many of you heard someone say something like that? Science tells us. Well, that person who's saying that is obviously uneducated. If you ever hear someone say, science tells us, you know that they are uneducated. And it's really fun to tell them that. Why are they uneducated? Science doesn't tell us anything. Scientists do. Scientists, based on... a. a you know, Sir Francis Bacon's understanding of the scientific method. They're going to observe and test and repeat and demonstrate. And then the scientist will interpret his findings and tell you what he has extrapolated from his experiments or his observations. Science doesn't say anything. Get you ready for this? Science can't talk. What is that? That's a logical fallacy. It's called reification. So apparently, this great scientist never took a course in logic because he doesn't even understand how the language works. Remember, we're the dumb ones. And someone might be saying, Pastor, you sound defensive. No, I'm just a little mad. I, I really do. It, it's very, it's interesting how I, I read a bunch of different blogs about the debate and all these scientists, it, it was amazing how many of these scientists didn't know how to use the English language. Subject-verb-agreement, uh, getting the number right, the case right, and a sentence, stuff that you learned when you were in fifth or sixth grade. And yet, we're the dumb ones. What do I want you to do? I want you to have confidence. I want you to have confidence that all truth is God's truth. All truth is God's truth. Science doesn't tell you anything. History doesn't tell you anything. Scientists and historians tell you things. And scientists and historians are often wrong. These same scientists that are telling us today how dumb we are are the ones that were saying that, that the blacks are an inferior race 100 years ago. The same scientists. 
the same line of thinking, the, the same understanding of a worldview. It's very important that we get that. Let me give you a few comments about the debate itself. Number one, I hope that many people were saved through the presentation that Ken Ham gave. I was so thankful that he gave the gospel over and over and over again. One of the criticisms, it's interesting that, that, that secularists have criticized Bill Nye and Christians have criticized Ken Ham. Uh, as, as I read all of the comments, or not all of them, but many of the comments that, uh, that followed the debate. But I think that, that Ken Ham did exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to give the gospel and demonstrate that there is a system of thinking that is consistent with the Word of God, but is also consistent with the observable evidence. And I think he did a great job at that. I think he did a great job. Um, then, I, I thought that Ken Ham did a great job of balancing his presentation by giving Scripture first and then the science. I loved that. Uh, I had mentioned to my Sunday school class, and again, I, I, I've done a lot in apologetics. I was in college ministry on college campuses for years, and so kind of I, I cut my teeth on argumentation and apologetics and thinking and reasoning and all of that. And one of the big problems that I have with much of what is done in the name of Christ in the area of debate is that there's almost no scripture used. And you'll find, go ahead and listen to Ravi Zacharias, and you'll almost never hear a verse. You'll almost never hear a verse. I've, I have heard that he has realized that and now is using more scripture in his presentations. Praise the Lord. If that's the case, praise the Lord. But all the stuff that I heard before, while his arguments are great and he's a great thinker and I know he's a great Christian, the Word of God is the power, not my mind. Amen. Amen. While God has given uh, uh, Ravi Zacharias a tremendous mind, the Scriptures are still more powerful than Ravi Zacharias's mind. And let me say this. He knows that. I, I'm not... He would never say that he is more intelligent than the Bible. But what happens is you get into a way of defending things that really it, it more limits your result than helps your result because it's the Word of God that changes people's lives. It's the Word of God that pierces their heart and pierces their conscience. The Word of God can change people. Jim Alter never can. It's something we have to understand. We have to think about that. All right? Um, so I, I really appreciated the way that he gave the Scripture first and then gave the science. And, and I think that people think that there's this dichotomy that if you believe the Scriptures, then you cannot believe science. That if you agree with the Scriptures, then you do not agree with science. We agree with science. But we reject science falsely so-called. Isn't that interesting that that was written 2,000 years ago? Do you know what God understood? That in the church, in the churches that there was going to be a problem with, with science, falsely so-called. Look with me at Revelation chapter 3. I'll show you something. I'm going to read a couple of more verses, and then I want to challenge the thought process behind uh, Bill Nye, um, and then I want to um, demonstrate why he thinks the way that he does. Look with me at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. Now, in each of the other passages, it says, in Smyrna, in Ephesus. Here, it's the church of the Laodiceans. It's not Christ's church anymore. It's the church of the people, all right, and, which is a problem. How many believe the church belongs to Jesus? Yeah, so now we have a problem here. And if, you, if you're not sure of that, look at verse 20. 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him and will sup with him and he with me. How many of you have seen that verse before? Right? How many of you have seen paintings of Jesus standing outside a door and knocking? What most people don't recognize is that's the church. He's standing outside the church. They won't let him in. And much of Christianity is that way, that they do not have a biblical Jesus in that church. Right? They don't worship a biblical Christ. All right, so back to Revelation 3, and look at verse 14 again. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now, the titles that Jesus Christ gives Himself in each of these letters, there are seven letters in Revelation chapter two and th- chapters 2 and 3, address to seven specific literal historic churches. And Jesus identifies Himself by different titles in the salutation to each of these churches. And in, the, in those titles, Jesus is identifying the problem of that age. He's saying, I am the amen. I am the amen. That means it is true. I agree. It is true. Jesus is saying that in this church and in this particular period of time, that, there, that people would not believe that there is truth. Like Pilate said, what is truth? How about this? There are no absolutes. Is that where we are now? That has crept into the churches. There are no absolutes. Uh, and you know, I always like to ask this. Are you absolutely sure of that? It's a self-contradicting statement. How many of you recognize a self-contradicting statement? Now, is a self-contradicting statement smart or dumb? Come on, all of you nice people, say it. Dumb. It's dumb. Where is the wise? God has made the, 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 the wisdom of this world foolishness. That's a, how many of you think that's a foolish statement that there are no absolutes? Right? Okay. So the amen. The faithful and true witness. What Jesus is saying that is in this age, at that, in that church, in that historic church, and in the period of time identified by that church, that there would be a lack of faithful and true witnesses in the churches. Do you realize that there's only a very small percentage? I'm talking less than 5% of Christian colleges in America that believe that the first 11 chapters of Genesis are historically accurate. That's stunning, isn't it? Anyone heard of Wheaton College? They don't believe in the historical account of Genesis. They have the BioLogos program there, and they, they are looking for theistic evolution, that God created the world through evolution, which is the most... Just, again, my dad always said that no one is that dumb naturally. You have to be taught how to think that poorly. Someone has to teach you how to do that. Evolution is the most inefficient method of progress that there is in the world. Is anything else that God's done inefficient? It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. You've got to think about these things. All right, so then look at what it says. The amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Who began the creation? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Who began the creation? Jesus Christ. He spoke. He is the voice of God. He is the Word of God. He spoke. He created all things, and by Him all things consist. Colossians chapter 1. Right? Now, all we as believers agree with that. Look at what He calls Himself here. 
He is saying the beginning of the creation of God. What does that mean? That in the church at Laodicea and in the period of time identified by that church, there are going to be people who call themselves Christians who do not believe in creation. When was this written? 2,000 years ago. And you ready for this? This is almost the last thing that Jesus said. Isn't that interesting? He begins with creation and he ends with creation. Creation is vital to the Christian worldview. Believing in a creator God is vital and it is essential to the Christian worldview. Now, I appreciated what Ken Ham said. He said, you don't have to believe in creation to get saved. Salvation is not a matter of believing in evolution or rejecting evolution. Salvation is a matter of believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross. Rose from the dead. He died for your sin. Repenting of your sin and believing in Jesus Christ. It is repentance toward God and faith toward Jesus Christ. Believing. All right? That's, that's what salvation is. And he did very well in explaining that distinction. So how many of you agree with that? Right? So we agree with that. The only thing is, you can be a Christian and not believe in creation, but you cannot be a faithful Christian and not believe in creation. Now, after all my comments about English, yeah, I understand that that was a double negative and the sentence structure was horrible, but forgive me. So th this is really important that we get this. If you are going to be a faithful Christian, you must believe in a literal six-day creation because that is the clear teaching of Scripture. All right? So now, uh, I want to talk with you uh, briefly about some of the thinking. I'm really bummed. I don't have my aisle to walk down as I preach. I'm feeling very restrained right now and claustrophobic. All right? Um, could be because I'm a fat man in a little suit, but other than that, who knows? Okay, let's talk about the thinking that's behind uh, Bill Nye. All right, he says that it is child abuse to teach your children the creation model and to deny evolution. So we've got to define terms here. Um, we as Christians do not believe in macroevolution. We would believe in microevolution. What's the distinction? that Darwin's finches with all the different beaks, right? that that's variation. And variation can happen according to environment and all of those things over time. But that's, that's not a problem. But we, will, we never believe that a finch will be an alligator. And the chances of that happening are statistically zero or less. Okay? So we as Christians, we believe in variation of kinds and all of that kind of thing. You know, uh, we, we don't have any problem. And we can give many, many examples of that. And Bill Nye in his presentation was blatantly dishonest by acting as if Christians do not believe that. Either he's ignorant or he's a liar. Those are the only two options. Those are the only two options. And we as Christians, we've got to stop uh, accepting any other than those two. How many of you want to be ignorant or a liar? Neither one. So what do you do? You become informed and you tell the truth. It's not like it's impossible. Right? How much literature is there available? He only had to read Henry Morris's book on the Genesis account of creation, and he would understand where believers stand on this. Apparently, Bill Nye is too busy to read a book. We're the ignorant ones. We're the ignorant ones. Okay. Now... It's very important that we understand the difference between macroevolution and microevolution. 
And Bill Nye says that we as believers are dangerous and it's child abuse to teach our children the creation model. All right? And yet, when Ken Ham asked Bill Nye where consciousness began, where did consciousness begin? Let me explain that to you, just so you understand. Sometimes people think it's the understanding the difference between right and wrong. This is where having a biblical worldview is so important. You can teach a dog the difference between right and wrong. Bad dog. And what does the dog do? <laughs> the dog understands, because you're about to beat him. That's terrible. I've got to talk to you people about this. All right? So we understand that a dog can understand the difference between right and wrong. What does the Bible say that when they ate the fruit, they would understand? Good and evil. There's a huge distinction. A dog can never understand good and evil. Can't understand that. That's consciousness. That's consciousness. So Ken Ham asked Bill Nye, where did consciousness originate? Where did that come from? And here's what Bill Nye said. We, we don't know. But we're excited to look for the answer. Okay, I've got two comments on that. Number one, it is child abuse to disagree with what he does not know. That's brilliant. Do you, do you understand what I just said? He doesn't know where consciousness came from. But if we disagree with his position on that, we're abusing our children. We are dangerous for disagreeing with what he does not know. How many of you think that that's logical? It's not. It's not logical at all. Here's the other problem. Here's the other problem. He said that he wants to, that's one of the exciting things about science, is we can search for that answer, right? Is that what he said? The only problem is, what if the answer is God? What if the answer is God? He is, he is disallowing that answer so he can search from now throughout the ages of history and, or, or, of eternity and never find the answer to the question if the answer is God. And yet, Christians are completely open-minded. We're completely open-minded. You say, where did those, how come there are different birds? And, well, we need to investigate that. We know God created the bird. And several different types of birds, because it says birds and fowls and winged creatures, and it designed it, it, it's that. I understand one of the illustrations was a bird that could fly. I'm, I'm sorry, a fish that had wings and could fly. That was one of the illustrations. Well, the Bible covers that. Winged creatures. Is that a winged creature? Did it come from a T Rex? My brother in law sent me this. He said he has a, uh, a gun dealer named T-Rex. He's a small arms dealer. Get it? Get it? That's quality humor right there. Now, again, we're the ignorant, crazy ones. We're not, folks. We're not. These ideas that they come up with, this idea of special creation, it is a much better explanation for the world than anything else they can come up with. Many of you have heard us say this, uh, you know, they believe in the Big Bang, right? In the beginning, there was nothing, and then it exploded. Brilliant. 
No, no, there was, a, there, was a, there was an atom. There was a small particle. Where did the particle come from? We don't know. That's where the wonderful thing is, and I love Ken Ham. Well, I can tell you. I've got a book that can tell you exactly where that came from. You see, we're willing to investigate where a different species came from, but we know where the kinds came from. God created them, and they reproduce after their kinds. How many of you have seen a car growing on a tree? That's evolution. That's evolution. And the more that we discover, whether it's the genetic code mapping the genome, the human genome project, the, the more that they get into the intricacy of the human body and the DNA code, you know what we know? That Adam and Eve had all of the information necessary to reproduce every different type of person in the world. Have you ever met someone who had a tail? I think a tail would be quite useful. You ever had your hands full? You need to open the door. <laughs> it seems like that would have come along. At, now, some, I know what some of you are thinking. I know somebody with a big tail. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> it, it's this idea that, that people are going to change that way. It, it does not exist. It doesn't happen. Amen? Amen? It simply doesn't happen. They've never discovered a man that was not a man a human that was not a human. There's nothing in between. And all those those statues and things that you see in the in, in the museums, they'll find a, a jaw and reproduce the whole creature from the jaw. What takes more faith? That or to believe that God created. Okay? So, there we are. Um, why doesn't Bill Nye believe? What we learned from this debate was this debate was not a debate on origins. It was not a debate primarily about uh, science. It was primarily a debate about worldviews. You have one worldview that posited that there is an eternal God who, based on his own will and volition, created everything that is. That's one worldview. The other worldview is, I don't know. And then making up some kind of fanciful thing to prove that. Um, Laura had mentioned the problem that she has is they're obviously just lying. They're lying to us, and we are the dangerous ones. Because when a person tries to explain existence apart from God, it must be fantastic because it's not true. Is that right? And so it's a battle of worldviews. They both came to the debate with a certain set of presuppositions. We as Christians proudly admit, we willingly admit what our presuppositions are. We believe that there is a God who has revealed Himself to man through creation and through His Word. That's what we believe. And that God may be known through the revelation of creation and the revelation of His Word. That's what we believe. And we come to it that way. And so, if you want to know about God, if you want to know about origins, you start with His Word and then you look at the creation that He made. And much can be learned that way. Someone like uh, uh, Isaac Newton who was a theist. He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't saved. He was a, a Unitarian. He didn't believe in the Trinity. And there, there were many issues that, that he had. But he believed that there was a God who had created a natural order and he could uh, discern, that, that natural order could be discerned. I wonder if Bill Nye's ever heard of Isaac Newton. How many of you think that Isaac Newton contributed to the worldwide knowledge? Leonardo da Vinci. All these people. They, they had a theistic worldview. 
and yet they were able to create and invent. Uh, so his statement, it's his, his accusations against Christians, they're pejorative, they're bigoted, and they're obviously wrong. And I think it's because he does not want to believe in God. So why does he not believe? Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 again. Now, let me say this. Uh, Bill Nye brought up a lot of scientific things that have been answered over and over and over again. Uh, Ken Ham didn't need to answer those. If you watched it and maybe were confused or, or even shaken a little bit by some of the things that Nye said, just look it up. There's answers for, for everything that he brought up that would be consistent with a biblical worldview. Um, okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 again. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For, that, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that what? Why does Bill Nye, why won't Bill Nye believe? Because he won't believe. He has the same evidence you do. But he chooses to reject God. You've heard me say this a thousand times. Unbelief is not an intellectual problem. It's a spiritual problem. Let's read on. For the Jews require a sign. And so when you see people talking about the, the, the spiritual gifts of tongues or healing, all of those were done by the apostles as a sign for the Jews. The Jews require a sign. Jesus said, A wicked and adulterous generation requireth a sign, seeketh after a sign. And then he said, the only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonas. You put me in the ground for three days and I'll rise again. So Jesus said, Jews require a sign. Look at this. And the Greeks seek after what? Wisdom. What's the next word? But. See, Jesus Christ is not found in signs. Jesus not Christ is not found in worldly wisdom. Where is he found? But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So why won't he believe? Why won't he believe? It's because of the fall. Because of the fall. Go to Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 14. The Apostle Paul, one of the most highly educated men of his day, he was an elite scholar, and I think it's wonderful that God chose him, don't you? Uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. But look at what he says. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. All right? So whether a Jew is looking for a sign or not, a Jew can still come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Whether a Greek is looking for wisdom or not, they can still come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Jesus wants to save them all. All right? Look at verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed 
from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They have the truth, they hold it in unrighteousness. They're looking at it in, through unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest, it's plain in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Why won't Bill and I believe? Because he won't believe in the creation of the world. Did I change the Scriptures? No. From the creation of the world, it's clearly seen. What Bill Nye knows is that there is a Creator, then he is accountable to that Creator, and he does not want to be accountable to the Creator. He wants to live his own life. He wants to be his own man, and I'll show that in a minute. Then look what the Bible says. Verse 20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. One of Bill Nye's arguments, it, it's an argument against the theodicy of God, the, the, the rightness of Christianity in the face of evil. And he, his argument was, how can there be billions of people who have never seen your Bible and there still be a good God? Well, God created the world. His creation, his creation speaks of him. People like Bill Nye, who deny the creation, are the ones keeping the word and the truth from the people. He is what he is accusing Christianity of being. Then, verse 21, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. Man, the, the bigotry, the unthankfulness, the arrogance of the evolutionary thinking. Man, we need to be thankful for the world that God has given us. Amen. All right? Because that when they knew God, and they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Vain, that's empty. And their foolish heart was darkened. See that? What kind of heart? Everyone, what kind of heart? Foolish, foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image, like unto corruptible man, or to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. You know, there's not a person who believes in a six-day creation who believes that homosexuality is okay. Ken Ham brought that up in the debate. Male and female created he them. Marriage was between a man and a woman. That's what God created, and therefore gay marriage is wrong. Ken Ham said that in the debate. Praise God. Why? Because our, our theistic position requires that belief. All right? So they look, look at verse... Um, 24 again, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. And even their women did change the natural use of that which is against nature. 
And I want you to notice what the Bible says. Notice what the Bible says. That the, the, the male sodomite lifestyle is evil. The height, the height of wickedness is the female homosexual lifestyle. For even their women. Is that what the text says? Okay. Verse 27. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. In other words, there, there, are, there are physical ramifications to that lifestyle, and anybody in the medical industry knows that. A few years ago, I haven't looked at the statistics since then, the, the average life expectancy of a, of a, a, a sodomite man, a homosexual man, was 40 years, apart from AIDS. 40 years. It's not a healthy lifestyle. Someone's lying to our children. Um, let me try that again. It's not a lifestyle. They're lying to our children. Amen. Thank you, man. Um, look at what it says in verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. A reprobate mind. A reprobate mind. Do you see that? Not do those things which are not, con or to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder. Look at this, debate, arguing the truth, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters, of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Don't listen to your parents about evolution. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, kill those babies. They're just unwanted flesh. Implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit those such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. All right, this is called the noetic principle. The noetic principle. And that is, as a result of the fall, uh, the, the lost person's ability to reason has been damaged. It's been damaged. They, they cannot understand the truth without the invading presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Why can Ken Ham look at evidence and see one thing and Bill Nye look at the same evidence and see something else? Why? Because of the fall. Because of the fall. He is trying to discern those things through his worldly wisdom apart from the truth of the Spirit of God. That's what it is. That's what it is. He has rejected the convicting, drawing power of the Holy Spirit and has become a fool. That's the answer. That's the answer. Let's look at a couple more verses. Um, look at 1 Peter 3. Is it too warm in here? Too warm in here? I must be boring because some of you are falling asleep. All right. 1 Peter. It's the chairs. 1 Peter chapter 3. 
sorry, Second Peter chapter 3. All right, everybody get your Bible? Look at this. Second Peter chapter 3 and look at verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. All right? So what is this? What, what Bill Nye was positing through the whole debate was, you know, he would show rock layers, or he would show ice core samples, and he would, he would talk about uh, radiometric dating and all of these different radioisotopes who have a half-life of billions of years, and we can tell how far that they have come down, and so you can tell how old something is. Well, he has an assumption behind that, and his assumption is this, verse, middle of verse 4, all things continue as they were from the beginning. His assumption is that that element, that, that radioactive particle that they are uh, gauging the age of a particular item by, that it has degenerated at the same rate for billions of years. Which again is absolutely brilliant because they've been measuring it for a hundred. They've been measuring it for a hundred and they're assuming that it's been the same for four billion. Now, how many of you think that that's very speculative? Remember, remember, we're the dumb ones. We're the ignorant ones. What are they doing? They're making assumptions based on what God said 2,000 years ago. And what do they do? How many of you have heard of the Ice Age? You've heard of the Ice Age? Is that a cataclysmic event? You see, the creation model allows for cataclysm. Their model, their model defies cataclysm. How can you say that those ice levels were the same for billions of years if there was an ice age? Now look, I'm not a scientist. I'm just a preacher. And I can tell that this is hogwash. It, and here's what it comes down to. It's very simple. Here's what it comes down to. Both positions are religious positions. We, by faith, believe that God created the world. And the evidence supports that. All right? He, by faith, believes that it just happened. Or maybe that aliens brought us here. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Right? Why? By faith. Because his religion says that it must be only through natural means. There, there is no possibility of a supernatural influence. It is only atheism. It is only naturalism. That's a religion. That's a religion. How many of you have heard that religion is not supposed to be taught in schools? But it's taught in every school in the United States of America. It is a religion. It is a religion. Praise God for Christian teachers that stand up and fight against it every day. But they're going to leave your class and go to the teacher that says they believe in evolution. Your parents need to understand this. Because you will lose your kids. We could have testimonies from people in the room. Be very careful with this. Be very careful. Pastor, why are you taking all this time to talk about this? I want you young people to know that it is not dumb to believe what the Bible says. 
The most educated, the most highly educated people in the world can accept it, or the most highly educated people in the world can reject it. Your ability is not the issue. The issue is what is truth. The argument is about the nature of truth, not about the way the evidence is presented. We have a biblical worldview. God created the world, and there's evidence to support that. They have a non-theistic uh, that God could not have done it, and then they seek for evidence to support their position. And then they make all of the Christians be quiet so the kids can only hear the wrong answer. I like what Ken Ham said. The way that the argument is always addressed is scholars versus Christians, academics versus Christians. Can I tell you guys something? All you young people, all you young people look at me. All right? You ready for this? Your pastor right here? I'm not dumb. Some of the most educated people you'll ever meet are in this room right now. So when somebody puts when, when someone is brought before you as some intellectual expert on something, understand your pastor or the people that teach you in Sunday school or the people that sit in the pews around you know more about other things than that guy does. Amen? We do. We have the truth. And then we know how to write a complete sentence. So listen, it's really important that you guys get this. Whether it's at your, your grade school, your high school, or your college, or whether it's watching the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, whatever, remember... If anyone is saying something that contradicts the Word of God, they're simply lying to you. And we have the answers. We have the evidence. I could stand up here and give you a lot of scientific answers. Okay? God gave me a good memory. I can read those things and tell you what someone else has said. I would be completely incapable of discovering those things myself. I'm not a scientist. I, I, I boldly admit I'm not a scientist. But I know how to think. How many of you think it would be a good idea for a scientist to know how to think? Good idea? Scientists make lousy philosophers. And what they're giving you is philosophy. Science is looking at the evidence and seeing something repeatable. When you have life spontaneously coming into existence, then you can believe in evolution. When it's done in a laboratory by, by mixing chemicals and applying electricity, and what is that? That's design, which is what we believe in. The only difference is our God did it out of nothing. They're having to take the things that God created. Where did God come from? Wrong question. God created the where. Where did the where come from? The where came from God. You see, I want you young people to know, we have answers to everything they can bring to us. Now, if you come to me with a science question, what I'll do is I'll go and look up a Christian scientist who answered that. Do you know you can do that same thing? You can do that same thing. The only problem is, what if that scientist that you find the answer for is wrong? They might be. Where are the only absolute authoritative answers? The Word of God. The Word of God. How many of you know that scientists have been wrong? Anybody have an old science book? Yeah, ask George Washington how science did. Right? They bled him to death. Yeah, how'd science do? Right? What did the Bible say? The life of the man is in the blood. 
Maybe Washington should have read that verse a little closer. Lord, thank you for your word. There's so much in the Bible about this, and there are so many more.